No budget nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No budget nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. If you got just a little money but a whole lot of heart, Doug and Mo will sit back and watch your art. It's their duty just doing their part. Now let's hear if they recommend it or not. Uh, no budget nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No budget nightmares. No Budget nightmares, Zumo porn and Doug Tilly. No budget nightmares, no budget nightmares. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hatin' while I skatin' all the while masturbatin' That's, that's Mo Pawn, yeah. yeah! And with me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy! Bow, bow. Alright, let's get this hot bods contest up and going. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about hot bods on today's episode of No Budget uh-huh. Nightmares. Uh, we're going to be watching, well, we watched already a lot of hot bods in preparation for this episode. <laughs> How lucky! Yeah, I just turned on. I just turned on the Playgirl channel, and I was uh, <laughs> ready to go. Uh, we uh, we might seem a little, uh, I don't know, more tired or maybe a little more uh, distracted than usual. Though we'll of course uh, snap to attention as soon as we start talking about the film in question. But this is actually we're actually recording a little bit later than we normally do for no budget. Yeah, numbers. yeah, it's it's about nine p.m. right now, and uh, I've been I've been up since about six o'clock this morning. <laughs> so uh, you know it'll be the the normal level of enthusiasm for me, but uh, maybe a little bit. Less enthusiasm than normal for Doug. Oh, we'll see about that. We'll uh, see. Actually, well, once we start talking about the hot bods, you know. I'm certainly not tired at all. Actually, the, I just I had a, a migraine earlier, and um, usually when that just takes me out of commission for the rest of the day. But I was so committed to wanting to talk about this movie that I took some aspirin and I laid down for a while, and then I got back up. And even though my head still hurts, for you, the listener, I'm here to talk about 1990s vampire cop. <laughs> and that's so funny because I've been having some really like severe tooth issues mm. uh lately like about uh I don't know a couple of weeks back I uh uh cracked a tooth and so I've been kind of dealing with that, you know, and it hasn't been very nice. Um and since I don't really have and since this is America and I don't have insurance, it's uh taking me a while to uh to get it dealt with. Um what we're so, really yeah, trying I, to say to listeners is that we're messes. We're, and yeah, and that we're both in severe amounts of pain right now. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to use that pain. Yeah. We're going to use it, and we're going to make it more oh, engaging and interesting because of us using that pain for you, the listening audience. Pain for pleasure. Now, there isn't a lot of housekeeping to do at the beginning of the show today, which is nice. Uh, I do want to remind everybody once again to uh, donate to our Patreon campaign. There's links over at the NoBudgetPodcast.com website. Uh, And, of course, we always make mention of it over on the Facebook group. But we'll talk about that at the end of the show. For those who have already uh, donated and are expecting some rewards, they will be coming very soon. I'll actually probably be in contact with you soon after this episode gets released. Bully. Bully for that, I think. I think so, too. <laughs> the deuce, you say. Um, <laughs> the other notable thing is something we can't talk about. I know. 
<laughs> we got some really, really interesting news after some the amazing, Some amazing news. Some really terrific news after the end of the uh, previous episode on, uh, on J.R. Bookwalter's The Dead Next Door. Uh, and there's some going to be some fun... Um, Things coming out of that And you you will all benefit, listeners We will all benefit together uh, Yes, we are starting a commune for all of us to live on <laughs> <laughs> Oh, could you imagine how terrifying that would be? <laughs> I love the listeners of No Budget Nightmares So do I, but man, I don't want to live with them I mean, I would imagine they're just as nervous about living with us Considering how <laughs> fucking horrible we are, A But also, how, how we always seem to be sick Carrying some sort of disease <laughs> Could you just imagine, like, every time time we go to sit down a movie just like me sit down to watch a movie and just me and you just tearing it to shreds the whole time what the fuck are they doing (laughs) i thought that's why we were all living together (laughs) come on come on but yes we will be discussing donald farmer's vampire cop in just a moment the other thing i wanted to bring up even though it's uh, the beginning of the show and not the plug time at the end is that um by the time you are listening to this there should be an interview over on dailygrindhouse.com with the distributors of science crazed on dvd nice. uh i was uh recognizing that uh the, the day after we're recording this is April 29th, and that will be uh, National Canadian Film Day. International, I'll say, Canadian Film Day. I wanted something to go with that, and knowing that they were working on the special edition of Science Crazy, and because, obviously, we're fucking nuts about that movie. We and, absolutely are. And, and, frankly, and I don't want to... I think that we contributed at least slightly to its uh, discovery by a lot of people. I'd like to hope so. But, uh, but mostly because we won't shut the fuck up about it. It's true. Well, you more than me, but I mean, like, like, well, you talk about it way more on social media, That's and true. I talk about it way more like face to face. And the thing like is, it's it's actually. I'm sorry to cut you off there. Sure. It's it's actually the it's whenever people like I tend to talk to people a lot about movies as would make sense. Uh huh. And uh, and a lot of the times I'll mention how I watch a lot of really like odd stuff, and they'll say, "Well, like what." And almost always, one of the first movies, if not the first movie I mention, is science crazed and then i try to explain it to them and they're like huh why do you want to watch that i'm like it's fucking amazing it is a little difficult sometimes especially if you uh, are talking to someone who really has even little experience with low budget filmmaking yeah yeah to to explain what the pledges are my wife whenever we're out and and i i don't talk about (laughs) i don't talk about low budget movies that often with people because no one gives a shit for one thing especially the people i hang out with but but if my wife wants to be particularly dismissive, she's like, oh, yeah, tell them about Ant Farm Dickhole, Doug. <laughs> tell them how about great that is. And I have to say, we didn't like Ant Farm Dickhole. We just yeah, watched we, it. Yeah, just because we watched it doesn't mean we liked it. <laughs> she's like, you love Ant Farm Dickhole. I mean, fuck, we watched Terror Tunes, too. We watched Vampire Cop, Mo. We watched Vampire Cop. <laughs> now, let's talk about briefly why we decided to watch Vampire Cop. And I'm a little sorry to say, sorry, <laughs> I'm a little sorry to say that the main reason is because it's called Vampire Cop. Yeah. Right? But that not, that's not the only reason. Of course. I mean, we, in, fa- in fairness, that's the reason we watched uh, Barely Legal Lesbian Vampires as well. But we're supposed to have learned our lesson. Uh, you think. 
a few episodes back, we covered High Eight, or Independent Eight, uh, which was a anthology film which uh, brought together a lot of uh, High Eight shot on video filmmakers from the 80s and 90s to do segments for it. And in fact, just this past week, they announced that they're actually in, uh, I, I don't know if they've already started production or they're about to head into production for the sequel to High Eight, which is really good news, even though we had kind of mixed feelings about that movie. One of the contributors to High Eight was Donald Farmer with his segment yep. Thicker Than Water. And uh, when we were kind of going through each of the directors that were covered in that movie, we, we were going through their kind of general filmographies. And Donald Farmer is someone that I'm pretty familiar with. I've seen a few of his films like Dorm of the Dead and yep. Cannibal Hookers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, there was also kind of a large chunk of his his. Uh, directorial catalog that I hadn't really experienced, and the one that's kind of jumped out at me at that time was Vampire Cop. So I thought, you know what? That's got to be a good movie. Yeah. Now, Donald Farmer is kind of an interesting example because um, he started out as a writer about horror movies. He used to write, I think, for the Splatter Times back in the early 80s, and uh, then transitioned into making low-budget horror movies. And I think Cannibal Hookers probably still is his most well-known movie among a lot of shot-on-video circles. Uh, But Vampire Cop came just a couple of years later. And if you look at those early movies, you can tell that the titles are doing a lot of the heavy lifting. (laughs) Yeah, it's very... uh, It's like throwback to like the... the uh, What do they call it? The four-wall, you know, like road shows. Sure. Where, like, yeah, (laughs) where the title does all the work. You know, it's interesting. I was uh, watching um, one of the video segments that Tony Maciello did. Uh, he, he does these kind of short profiles of different uh, shot-on-video horror movies, and he did one on Donald Farmer. I actually just posted it on the No Budget Nightmares Facebook group, and he talks about that process of uh, basically tricking. I mean, he really does seem like this is what he's saying, tricking distributors and people going to video stores into renting a, a movie that he knows is not of the quality that they necessarily want using professional photography for the front cover and yep. for the advertisements and giving it a lurid title that will draw them in. And he seems very proud of that fact, as he should be. But- yeah, it's, it's, it's modern hucksterism, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, that's, and that's fine. Like, actually, one of the biggest reasons why I'm such a big fan of, uh, like, Something Weird Video is the hucksterism aspect of it, you know, the Carney Roadshow aspect. I'm totally into that. Absolutely. I'd, I'd say a good 85% of the movies I own is just because of the title. Though I like it more when it's kind of pushing audiences who wouldn't normally give a film a chance because of how low budget it is to give it a chance. And then the director is still kind of giving their all on their end and trying to provide a satisfactory experience. So the next time they go to the video store, they might be a little less reticent to rent something like that. Oh, well, yeah, obviously that's the ideal situation. But, but what we find is that there are a lot of t- really great titles on really awful movies out there. Yeah. That said, how could anyone not want to watch a movie called Vampire Cop? Well, it certainly suckered us in. It sucked us in. <laughs> uh, and in fact, the tagline for Vampire Cop is, he takes a bite out of crime. Ugh, God. I would say even in 1990, that was a pretty lame tagline. Yeah. I mean, we all even, think of even McGruff, in 1990. Yeah, I was going to say even in 1990 was that would still be con- kind of considered a dated reference. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, Mo. Oh, do you consider Vampire Cop a action movie, a no. horror movie? No, a comedy. 
unintentionally. Is it unintentionally? There are some comedic moments that are intentional in this movie. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think most of the comedy is unintentional, to be honest. I think that's fair to say. And as we go through it, you'll get a sense of that. There is some wretched acting in this movie, and even worse dialogue. I mean, some of the dialogue is, is really, it's hard not to laugh at it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just it's the delivery on most of it. It's just fucking appalling. <laughs> and you'll get to hear it, folks, because we got a yeah. lot of sound clips for this fucking movie. But let's start with the most impressive sound clip of all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the film's opening theme song, which I enjoyed so much that I decided to rip entirely and put on SoundCloud so we could listen to it whenever <laughs> we wanted to. The song plays for oh. literally the first five minutes of the movie. Like five to five and a half minutes, yeah. This is a movie, by the way, that, that doesn't get to 90 minutes. It just barely squeaks past 70, and there's a lot of slow motion. To... <laughs> it always, Whenever I see a movie that kind of makes liberal use of slow motion in kind of the second half of it, I always think of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, where he talks yep. about how the, the episodes are running like 10 minutes short. <laughs> 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 so everything was in slow motion. Um but this song is called Slow Kill, and it's written and performed by the band Borderline. How would you describe Slow Kill? I, I got to tell you, it's easily the best part about, well, one of the best parts about this movie. Now, uh, this movie, uh, I think... That's I saying something. <laughs> this, uh, this movie, I think I mentioned it earlier, is shot on 16 millimeters, So it actually, at first, appears to be of a significantly higher budget than most of the movies covered on the show, and probably is, but... Once people start talking, uh, you'll realize that yeah, this is a no-budget nightmare. <laughs> There's yeah, there are actually some really like beautifully shot moments. <laughs> I know exactly now, what you're talking about. <laughs> now, now I'm just gonna say moments, not not like scenes, not like anything major, but there are some really really amazingly well like like I mean they they make that 16 millimeter just pop. It looks amazing, but yeah, then people talk and ruin it. To Donald Farmer's credit, he obviously recognizes when those moments are good-looking and manages to show them to us 20 or 30 times Fuck just, yeah. just to make sure we get it. <laughs> but let's let's not believe yeah, it. Yeah, please, please. Let's, let's listen to this song. Let, let's listen to the song. We have about a 30-second clip, but if you want to hear the whole thing, head over to the Facebook group. You look around at what's going down. You feel the need to turn things around. Yeah. Don't take chances, don't make any deals Your love's on the line For the true kid <laughs> Out on the streets, you quickly learn There's no one to trust We're just gonna listen to it, man Okay, I think that's enough of a slow kill. Oh, God. Yeah, and so imagine that going on for like another four and a half minutes. It is such a great, weird thing because what happens is it's playing over the opening credits. And what we're seeing is shots of a police car for some reason driving. And that's, yeah. that's a shot that's used as a transition for the rest of the movie. As well as this kind of hulking guy in silhouette. Yep. And, you know, I think we're all supposed to guess even at that point that that's the vampire cop. But these uh, silhouette shots are used again and again and again. Constantly. And, and 
it's also intercut with um with the opening credits of the of the movie. Right. And then it actually jumps into the plot of the movie. It'll start and we'll talk about that in just a second. And then it goes back to the credits again. It's so weird because like like while all this is happening, I mean the, like this opening theme music is still playing. And then like you said, yeah, like you have opening credits and then like <laughs> We we get some intercut shots of like uh like a girl tossing and turning in her bed. Yes, that's right. Um, you know, and then uh uh then we're at like some like ridiculous party and then it goes back to opening credits all the while, you know, cuz even in my, even in my notes it says 5 minutes and the theme song is still playing. <laughs> I love how that I wish actually that the theme song was more Directly thematically tied to the movie uh, right. because that would be even funnier. But uh, that that life in the fast lane can be a thrill. It is setting us up for a movie that we are not going to receive. No, not at all. Like so, yeah. Tom, like Tom Selleck should be the star of this. It's <laughs> not. So yeah, you you basically covered it. We get uh, shots of this woman tossing and turning. We don't know who she is at this point, and we get not a yet. shot of this club. This club full of very early 90s people, I guess late 80s, early 90s people dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are dancing in front of a stage which has women in bikinis on it. Yeah, and this becomes a theme. Yeah, uh, women in bikinis, you mean? Yeah, women in bikinis becomes a theme throughout the film. There's a lot of, uh, what do they call that, French cut? Yes. Like that real high, high. Riding high. Yeah. Uh, you know, full, full, full back, high, high in the thigh. Is it cut. French cut, ladies and gentlemen? Write I us don't know. And tell us if we're right or not. Yeah, let us <laughs> let, let me know. I mean, like, I, I like to think I'm an expert on like women's, you know, uh, bikini brief uh, styles, but I believe it's called French cut. But whatever, it does. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, all I know is that it looks pretty darn good on mo- uh, at least most of these women. So what we're actually seeing in this scene is a hot bod contest. Yep. But we don't know that yet because we need to go back to the credits and get introduced to some people. Now, uh, we didn't mention at the beginning of the show that one of the other reasons we decided to watch Vampire Cop... Well, actually, there was two reasons. And actually, we discussed them at the end of the last episode, but I cut them out so we could talk about them here. (laughs) Um, One of them is that this movie includes an appearance from Mal Arnold. I know. How awesome is that? Well, it depends on who you are because a lot of people listening might be like, who the fuck is that? (laughs) Yeah, well, those those people need to study up because if they don't, if they're listening to this show, they don't know who Mal Arnold is. That's just a shame. No, it's not a shame. They're, it they're is. Listening it's a to sh- be educated. The guy made right, five movies ever, right? And and they're all amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't go that fucking ex- far, ex- except this one, maybe. <laughs> Uh, we'll leave you in the dark no longer. Mel Arnold was the star of Blood Feast. Yeah, you he played Fuad Ramses. That's right. Uh, back in 1963, is that right? Uh, yeah, I want to say 63. Uh, and, and this is 1990 and, uh, I mean, the guy holds up pretty well. So he's probably the most name actor that's in this cast. And, and he I'm, was in, he was in 2000 Maniacs too, right? Uh, I can't remember. I know he was I, in, I, I believe he was in 2000 Maniacs. Okay. We'll go with the idea that he was also in that. Uh, and I know that he was in scum of the earth. That's the other thing I, I know. Oh, right, right. I might be thinking of scum of the earth. Uh, so Mal Arnold is in this movie, and the other reason that we're watching it is because there's an actor in it named Don Tilly. Yeah, that's like my last name. Oh yeah, it's spelled the same too. Even T-I-L-L-E-Y. spelled T I L L E Y. E Y. Now, now he plays a character named Newhouse, who we'll be uh, introduced to in just a second. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, are, so- are we actually introduced to him? Because frankly, I didn't realize that the character would even come up until they talked about him dying. I had I had to. Uh, <laughs> 
I had to go back and find out who all these people were. <laughs> so yes, six minutes into the movie, the credits end, and we go right into the hot bod contest. And what kind of appeal does a hot bod contest hold for you, Mo? Not much, to be honest. Uh, that's not really my style. Doesn't it feel like we as a society have evolved past things like hot bod contests? I, to be honest, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think it's just as prevalent now as it would have been back in the nineties. That's probably. Uh, but uh, but I think I think there are um, uh, gentler souls out there, like uh, like like people like us who uh, you know don't necessarily care specifically for that. Well, I guess I just mean that, well, you know what I should say is that we've kind of evolved past the need for a movie having a scene with a hot bod contest. Well, you know, it's funny, like, um, yeah, I guess, I, you know, but, but it's, such, it's such a great, like, I think 1990s a little late to be <laughs> having something like this. Uh, I mean, like, although granted, I would say that like the era of the quote unquote 80s teen sex romp right. ended, ended around 93. But uh, that first wave of it. Yeah, yeah. That well, the the good ones. Yes. You know, that's, ended what, around, that's what I mean, of course. Yeah, <laughs> and ended around ninety-three. Um, but I mean, I think I think even by then the actual sex romps were even phasing out shit like this. I think of those kind of mid nineties straight to video movies that were like they would be like bikini car washes. Oh, or... like like starring like anything like starring Marilyn Chambers. Yeah, or or even like there's a the whole lot of them that were just about like like tanning salons and shit like that, right, which was right, just right. an excuse to get people naked. And yeah, have this kind of this a is definitely plot. way more like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because of when the vampire element is introduced to this movie, you might start to wonder. You'll probably have a lot of questions that we are not going to be able to answer. <laughs> Yeah. So back to the hot bod contest. We have Debbie. Jeez. We have, we have Nikki. We have Danielle. We have Sar, I think, and Patty. It doesn't matter. I just wrote down all their names for no reason. Because yeah. fucking MC is doing these dumb jokes about all these women as they come out. It uh, It's a pretty short contest. Can I state for the record that that MC is like one of the worst fucking MC characters? He's a bad MC. Ever. Yeah, he's Off. pretty shitty. Yeah, he's awful. Because uh, one of them, Danielle, is an accountant, and he goes, Ooh. she really adds up. Actually, he doesn't even say it with as much emotion as I just said it. No, I was going to say, you said it way better than he did. And one of them is a bartender, and she goes, she'll serve anything that's straight up. Ugh. Like your cock, probably, is what he's talking Oh, yeah, about. I, I, I get it. It's a dick joke. <laughs> it's a dick joke. Patty, he can't wait to play with Patty's cake. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, the whole thing lasts about five <laughs> minutes. And uh, what we also learn is that the kind of women who would participate in a hot bod contest, even though they seem to come from all walks of life, they it's can not also... even five minutes. It's like two and a half. Yeah, it's like two and a half minutes. It's super, super quick. There's this old guy in the uh, crowd, I should say, and he's kind of flashing money around. He's a, he's a high roller. And he flashes a wad of cash to some of these women on the stage who decide, I guess, that they don't give a shit about this contest anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they are immediately become prostitutes. Yeah, uh, and they go over to sleep with this man. Not immediately; they're going to have to leave at some point. But he he buys their uh, bodies, which is very good, like movie logic. Yeah, well, he has money. Women yeah. like money. That's my understanding it's, from movies. that's true. That's true. <laughs> I think the logic kind of sticks out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, well, let's move away from this to something even more confusing. We see a woman Oops. standing <laughs> by a mailbox by herself for some reason. 
And some douchebag stops uh, his car next to her and starts kind of harassing her. Yeah. Yeah. And then he shows her something, which yeah, because we don't, yeah, and we don't see it. Yes. <laughs> and you know the funny thing is, just like when when I uh, when I first put it in my notes on here, I said I said so this random guy is picking up a chick, like so he offers I think he I think he offers her money or maybe drugs, right, or perhaps food. <laughs> But instead, he actually is threatening her with a gun. Yeah, but you never know. And so he, he, he tells her to get in the car. She refuses. He shows her a gun, which we don't see because there's no close-up. Uh, and then she, when she gets in the car, she, she like agrees because she's scared. She like jumps across the driver's seat into yeah. the car. So random. Very random. But we'll get back to that in just a moment. So yeah, that because that, that's the other thing this movie does too is it cuts to a, it cuts to a different scene <laughs> for like a line of dialogue or for like two seconds and then immediately cuts to something else. So back to that skeezy guy. He's in a motel now with the two of the hot bod women, uh, yep. and um, he's trying to kind of uh, work out a deal, a two for yeah, one he's type negotiating deal. with them. Yeah, let's have a little listen to that negotiation. Hmm, I don't know. So. Two for the price of one, right? Did I say anything about two for one, Nikki? I don't remember anything like that. <laughs> so how much did you bring me? I got enough. I bet you do, baby. Let's talk a little business first. That uh, that second woman that you hear there, <laughs> I don't know if that's a legit accent. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. So this doesn't matter, by the way. All this, I, I don't want to suggest that Donald Farmer is obsessed with prostitutes, but he did make cannibal hookers before this. <laughs> and there's a lot of hookers in this movie as well. Yeah, this movie's like 96% hookers. I mean, yeah. that's an exaggeration, but I mean, it, there's a lot of hookers in this movie. Yeah, and again, we're not knocking that as a profession. We're no, just I don't pointing care. out a fact. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, so there's some negotiation going on. Even though he's a high roller, he is balking a little bit at the idea of $300 each, which, honestly, he probably should. I like the fact that he says, I got enough, but he's trying to work out a two-for-one deal. <laughs> hey, you can't blame so the it's guy like, for trying. Yeah, no, I get it. He's thrifty. Yeah. <laughs> He's grifty, more like it. But yeah, you're right though. Three hundred a piece is that's that's a lot of money. <laughs> Let's discuss our own experiences in this field. Um, so these these women are Nikki and Danielle, which is not going to matter. But I just wrote it down. One of them, I think Nikki, uh, goes to get a shower while Danielle and him continue to well make out really once they've worked out on something. Yeah. I, I did want to point out that once. Nikki goes to get a shower. The, some of the fucking dumbest music in the world play. <laughs> this weird kind of gumshoe music plays. Like, bump. Oh, anyway, I don't need to describe it. I'll yeah, actually play yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say we have it. Uh, but this is just an excuse to show some breasts, which is fine by me. But the music does not help its case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jazzy piano and bass. Now picture that water you're hearing in the background, that's a shower, and what you're seeing is a woman soaping up her breasts. You have a very her confused ample, boner right now. <laughs> her ample booze bosom, yeah. <laughs> uh, back back with Danielle and this gentleman, I, I, I just made a note of it because I thought it was so amusing. She rips his belt off, <laughs> so she like, rips it out of his pants, and immediately goes, does that feel better? <laughs> <laughs> but then someone knocks on the door And this is where the plot The plot is actually knocking on the door to enter you know, I gotta tell you I gotta tell you At this point 
because like uh, we forgot to mention that while they're in the club, there are these two guys who are kind of like Milling watch around, yeah. Well, yeah, watching the old dude sort of flashes cash around. And uh, I, I got to tell you, when they, when I heard the knock at the door, like I had a very good idea that it was these two guys, but I thought they were coming there for the dude. I think I think you're actually supposed to think that. Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense because he's uh, the dude is immediately nervous when someone knocks on. Yeah, the door. Yeah, he gets all jumpy because he thinks it's some cops trying to yeah. bust him for trying to double up on these two ladies. Right. Exactly. <laughs> In fact, uh, he actually double uh, up <laughs> voices his concern to uh, to Danielle. And who's at the door? See that? It's only room service. They probably want to give us some towels. This is like the sleaziest looking motel in the world. Do you really think they have fucking room service at what, like two in the morning? Yeah, it's like two in, two in the morning. Nobody called. That's for right. It. Nobody called them because and if it if because if it was towels, they would have said housekeeping. I just like the idea that someone's knocking on their door to give them some towels, and it's like the angriest dude. Dude, he's like room service. That's right. Uh, so uh, they do answer the door. Actually, it's great because Daniel goes over to it and she goes, "What is it?" And then just opens the door. Yeah. <laughs> and the two topless. tough, topless too. That's right. Uh, so yeah. the two, these two tough guys come in, uh, and we don't know who they are at all at this point. At all, yeah. Um, and one of them says to the guy, "He goes, you came here for a piece of ass, fella, didn't you? And now you're gonna lose yours." So I guess he's he's gonna lose his ass because of what's happening. Sure, that did kind of continue the idea that they were there to see him, but they're not. The, these gentlemen are here to see the two women that are there. Yeah, because they are involved in the drug industry, but also in prostitution, and these are two of their prostitutes. Right. One of the guys has a really big knife, by the way. I like that knife. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and the other guy, who's kind of the at this point, we could just know him as kind of the the head bad guy he speaks in a very deliberate kind of way Ugh. and we find out later that he's geiger hans geiger honestly the actor who plays hans geiger might be the best actor in this entire movie i think mal arnold's the best actor in this well, movie but he's only in one fucking scene he's only so. one fucking scene <laughs> <laughs> before getting chainsawed to death spoiler <laughs> spoiler alert so uh what happens here is that they're confronting the two prostitutes. One of them, the, the one that was in the shower, they're going to drag back with them. But the other one, Danielle, um, he kisses her and then shoots her in the stomach. I got to tell you, I, I, I kind of almost uh, laughingly appreciate how they handle like almost all of the gunshots. The gunshots? And, oh, yes. You know, like they're all done. Every single gunshot is off camera. You know, uh, like the gunshot to the belly, like there was a real nice medium headshot, like around the two of them. So his hand is is, you know, at her stomach underneath where the camera is. Uh, I love I love the severe uh, how there is a severe lack of blood in some scenes, but a severe like oversaturation of blood in others. I love the fact that he he pulls the trigger and this gun makes this. Piddly little gunshot noise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poom. Poom. <laughs> and then he, yeah, so the, then they also grab the woman from the shower, and um, he says that uh, she, he has a customer for her, Kurt. Now, we don't know who Kurt is, but we find out later that Kurt is actually the other guy in that room. <laughs> I guess he's like, he doesn't treat the prostitutes very well. Doesn't seem no. like a very positive industry. I think they really need to uh, to clean that whole thing up. Yeah, exactly. They may, maybe take it to Vegas, you know. So remember that woman who was standing by the the uh, the uh, mailbox? 
Oh yeah, right. Well, they drive uh, the the guy who made her get in his car. They drive into the middle of nowhere, and I say the middle of nowhere because there's nothing you can see. There's nothing there, which is great because later on, they later on in the movie, she describes herself as being driven into an alley. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, not. But an they're alley. clearly in the middle of like a field in the middle of fucking nowhere. So they just stop, and she jumps out of the car and doesn't run away. For some reason, she just runs in front of the car, and he runs from the other side, and they have a little conversation. And I want to play this first, and then I want to talk about it briefly. Yeah, please. <laughs> yes, let's. What are we doing, Wally? Tracy, I'm getting a little tired of your shit, all right? So I want you to shut the mouth and drop the pants. Now, I don't want to make light of the fact that this is what we're witnessing here is a sexual assault, and there's nothing funny about that. What no. is funny is, A, that Tracy is a... Very bad actress. Horrible. But B, that he knows her first name. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any... The fact that he refers to her as Tracy seems to suggest that they have some kind of pre-existing relationship. Or, after he kidnapped her, he started to ask her what her name was. Yeah, right. Oh, by by the way, I'm going to drive you out in the middle of nowhere so I can rape you. But, yeah. um, but, but in the meantime, I really like to know my uh, assault victim's names. You know... Right. Hi, Tracy. Ah, hi, Tracy. Uh, I'm getting tired of your shit. We do get to see his gun at this point, so we know that he was using a gun. And that's not a euphemism. No, we don't get to see that gun, unfortunately. (laughs) That's why we have both different reactions to that. Uh He pushes her to the ground. He starts uh, making out with her, and she bites him. And he gets pissed, but then we see that silhouette from earlier, the, the hulking silhouetted guy who looks kind of like the fiend from Science Craze, but maybe that's just what's on my mind at that point. Yeah, well, because you're you're hoping and pleading and begging that this movie is going to turn into Science Craze. It's, it's amazing that we could compliment that movie and have difficulty with this one when so much more happens in this movie than in that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Science Craze is by no means a quote-unquote good movie. But it's so much better than this. <laughs> so, this... Although something really fucking cool happens yes. right here. So cool, in fact, that it made me think that the rest of this movie was going to be cool. I almost thought, yeah, I thought for a second, maybe the rest of this movie, despite the terrible acting and the, <laughs> and the uh, I mean, ludicrous, because we're 15 minutes into the movie at this point, and there's already been multiple sets of breasts and scantily clad women. No and, vampires, I should point out. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Not yet, not yet. And no cops either. Uh, for that, well, don't, for that don't, don't go expecting many cops. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think the entire police force is four people. So uh, I did say no vampires up to this point, but that changes because the vampire is there in silhouette. Right. Uh, and it is indeed our lead vampire cop. He comes over to this guy and he rips his hand off. Yeah, drips his dude's hand right off in a in what is a pretty cool practical effect. Even if it wasn't, it would be like, oh yes, this is what we're gonna get. Every right. once there'll be nudity, and then it'll be kind of uh, interspersed with scenes of this vampire cop ripping people to shreds, and I'm cool like, with that. Like, like you almost kind of expected it to turn into like a, like a hard to die kind of like. Right you know, action, horror, comedy sort of thing, but it just, it, it doesn't. <laughs> not to give anything away. Not, so that, he rips not the, to give everything rips away. Rips the guy's hand off, bites his neck, Tracy runs off, which is a good thing for her to do. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that's the end of this sequence. Now, uh, that then moves, it moves right to a really skeezy, sleazy looking guy sitting in a car, and we don't know at this point... <laughs> <laughs> but this is a police officer. It's another cop. It's another cop. And in fact, it's the vampire cop's partner. 
Right, yeah, because Vampire Cop shows up at this point. I believe his name is Lucas, although Lucas. we don't we don't know this at this Lucas point. Lucas with the lid off. Bean. All right, you. But the partner, he's Newhouse. Oh, that's oh, that's Newhouse. That's Newhouse. Oh, see, I didn't even fucking realize. Well, it's good that you. I mean, it's fine that you didn't realize it because I was reading a review for Vampire Cop because I was doing a little bit of research, and that person thought that the bad guy was Dave Newhouse the entire goddamn time. He got it wrong. We got it right. This is also Don Tilly, and do not get too attached to him. <laughs> no, he, yeah. So th- these guys are the worst cops in the world. They really are. For one thing, Lucas, our vampire cop, arrives on foot <laughs> to, this, to this drug bust. Well, there's, there's a couple, of, there's a couple of, uh, of huge issues going on here, okay, <laughs> uh, that, that I, that I want to I bring up. Oh, because, let's hear All right, so, so you already mentioned one. He shows up on foot. <laughs> The second problem is that he actually somehow, even though he's on foot, managed to stop in and check on another call yep. that was made on his way to this drug bust that, might I add, they've been taking, I saw what they say, four months to set up. <laughs> it's kind of important, right? Yeah. It is like the biggest was... drug dealer in the entire town. They have him dead to rights. Yeah. And you would think... That they would, oh, I don't know, prioritize that to the front of the line, you know? Just... You also would think that if it was that big of a bust, you'd have more than two cops. Yeah, send a fucking uni to go check the fucking, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever call, you know. Uh, oh, the other major issue with this will come out of this next sound clip. So in this uh, room that they're monitoring, there is uh, our two bad guys from earlier. The the main pimp guy, the the who we learn now is Hans uh, Geiger, and his main uh, kind of uh, assistant bad guy, and they're talking to this mustached guy who is buying drugs from them. Mm-hmm. Right, simple enough. the The guy with the mustache is wearing a wire. The police are listening to the wire outside. They're waiting for this drug deal to happen, and then they're going to suppose run supposedly listening to the wire. I guess we don't actually encounter that. <laughs> we don't hear it. Um, now. In these kind of situations, uh, Hans is a little suspicious that maybe this guy, I think his name is Perez, Mr. Perez, is wearing a wire. So he asks to see if he's wearing a wire or not. And this is how it goes. These undercover detectives sometimes use listening devices on their chest. I know it's ridiculous, but please, humor me. When he says listening to the voices, he totally I, forgot his line there. I wonder how many uh, uh, ellipses are in the the, the script. Because, man, Geiger, Geiger has some real serious pausing going on in, you know, in, in his dialogue. But that, that's, probably, that's probably the best example of it. So anyway, what happens is, and this is just really straightforward, is they discover that he's wearing a wire. And then they kill him. And then they run off. And yeah. they are able to do it. Like, you would think that these guys, the two cops are listening, must be listening super close, that if anything goes wrong, like, you know, someone looking to look for, talking about maybe a wire that the guy is wearing, they would immediately be at the door to stop them. Yeah, but those two morons are sitting there chatter, you know, being chatty <laughs> Cathy's with each other that uh, they don't realize anything's going on until this their whole, partner gets fucking shot. This whole process would only take like 10 minutes, right? 15 minutes, this whole right. drug deal that's happening. The fact that right. the key part they needed to be paying attention to is when they're not paying attention at all. They, yeah. they like, killed why, why, Mr. Perez is what I'm saying. Yeah, why is Perez in the fucking room 
if Lucas isn't there yet. They should be, by the way, not even in a car at that point. Once those guys go into that hotel room, they should be walking. They should be right up by the door. Right. Anyway, so this is horse shit. Yeah, and like the it, like the t- the tactical SWAT team should be like right there. So uh, these bad guys, they both run out with their yeah. drugs, get in a car, and drive off. And then it then cuts to the cop car in quotation marks, even though it's just an unmarked car. Yeah. And for some reason, both. Uh, Newhouse and Lucas are outside of the car now. <laughs> it doesn't get into the car again. I don't understand why that happened. Yeah, I, I, and I, yeah, you're right because I, I think it's like just some like it's like a red K car. It's not yeah, even it's like, ridiculous. Yeah. And in fact, it's not even anything that anybody would ever you know. Aside from the shot of a police car driving that will it keeps cutting back to, you do not see a character driving a police car in this. No, they no, were never. vice. So never. They don't have to do that. Yeah, but I love I love the fact that the vampire cop or Lucas. Uh, he wants to go in alone. He wants to go in alone. In fact, uh, this is his conversation with his uh, his partner, Newhouse. We'll get him. You stay with the car. I'm going on my own. In that place? How are you going to find anything in that maze? Give me 15 minutes. Lucas! Crazy bastard! <laughs> <laughs> I wish we got to spend more time with Newhouse. <laughs> I know, right? He he had uh, he had good inflection, uh, but of course we also have to mention that this is now uh, eighteen and a half minutes into the film, and that's the first time we hear the main character's name. <laughs> that's right. That's Lucas, the vampire cop. You also heard its kind of funny accent. Now, Lucas, the actor who plays Lucas, uh, who's a gentleman named Ed Cannon, I think this is the only role he ever had, and he's not terrible. Like, he's I, not bad. He's he, not that bad. I'm not going to tear into him because he he. He, for one thing, he has these ridiculous facial expressions. His eyes are like so goofy, <laughs> and he's like you know he's kind of a generic muscle bound guy. But he no, seems, yeah. Let's hear. Go, it. I was gonna say I love him. I think he's great. Yeah, he's great. Uh, I I wish that we got to learn more of his background instead of nothing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like how he became a police officer. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so he runs off to. Uh, it should be noted as well that the bad guys have driven to this kind of fairly remote location, but they know that they're being followed. Right. Um, and this isn't, you know, there's no backup. They don't wait for backup, even though it seems like they it would be the best thing to do. Um, so Lucas, hey, they're, run- they're, they're cops on the edge. Yeah, that's right. So Lucas goes off to find these guys. He kind of comes out of an alleyway and they try to uh, run him down. And he kind of shoots ineffectively at the car once again <laughs> in a way that we can't actually see the gunshots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they stop and uh, they they talk to him. <laughs> this is so strange because they don't know who's around. <laughs> They're very much implicating themselves, but this is what they say. Good evening, officer. Do we have something you want? I want you, Geiger. Sound like this cop's got some balls. But he ain't got no brains. Drop it right now! Now, you're probably wondering what that last bit is. That's actually Newhouse getting shot to death. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was absolutely not two trash can lids being smashed together. <laughs> uh, that was a gunshot. Not just a gunshot. That was a shotgun That was a shot. shotgun blast. Yeah. And, and honestly, it looks pretty great because it, it does blow his guts out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's the end of Newhouse, uh, which, by the way, Kurt does not seem that affected by. No. So then they try to shoot Vampire Cop. Uh, we don't again. We don't see this shot, and uh, he falls down for a second, and then sits up. Yeah, he and, does like a like an Undertaker. That's right. And then he shoots the bad guy, the the uh, not um, uh, not Geiger, but the other guy, Kurt. The hench. 
Yeah, the henchman. That's what I should say. Now, I have to say, by the way, how come Lucas is a vampire, so gunshots don't affect him? But do they also protect his clothes from being damaged? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was gonna, I was actually gonna make reference of that. Uh, is the fact that Lucas gets shot many, many times in this movie, and not once does he ever produce a bullet hole in a, in a shirt or any kind of blood whatsoever. The other notable thing is that when. Lucas is switching to vampire mode. Suddenly his mouth seems a lot more full than it did before. <laughs> <laughs> and I, actu- get- I actually really dig the teeth they yeah, gave him. I, me I too. thought it looked really cool. Because they're not just fangs. They're actually like a full set of sharp teeth. Yeah, like a full set of – well, I mean they're fangs, but a full set of uh, like sharpened teeth. So uh, he bites um, Kurt and, uh, and um, Hans uh, Geiger runs, d- drives off, I should say. Yeah. And then there's another transition, so we get to see that woman tossing and turning. I guess she slept for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought for a second, God, I hope it's not going to turn into the opening credits again. <laughs> and uh, <It's> so cute. <laughs> remember what we were saying about prostitutes? Well, here's another one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. This, this is such a – this is going to transition. There's a bit that's coming up in just a second, which is one of the most odd – unexplainable things that I think we've ever encountered in a movie. I can't wait to hear your take on it. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah I know no, you do. That's, that's going to be super fun. Uh, but yeah, like right now, like uh, th- this scene's kind of confusing too. Yeah, because this, is, got... she's not, this isn't a prostitute. I'm wrong about that, but I yeah, this, thought it was a, a prostitute. Yeah, well, you'd assume, you know. Uh, but yeah, so there's there's all this stuff happening, but I, you know, it's so hard to tell because they keep cutting back and forth between this sort of like sexy scene going on where there's like a lot of neck play because you know he's a vampire and uh and and uh back to the woman tossing and turning so it's like is she dreaming this or is he actual or are they intercutting like something that's actually happening with her turning back and you know tossing and turning which would seem weird seeing as his partner just got shot and killed um, I mean, I think the idea is supposed to be that this is the dream of the woman that's tossing and turning, though it's well, that's really what I difficult assume. to tell that that is the case. Yeah. Why, why she's having a dream about a vampire having sex with her and then biting her neck is anybody's guess. And the other difficult-to-understand thing is that this woman, we haven't been introduced to her yet, so we don't know who the yeah, fuck she is. Yeah, this is just is. some character who's just tossing and turning. We don't and know also, who... since we've only seen her in bed so far, when they show her in this dream thing, you don't recognize her. You've only seen her like half undressed in bed. Yeah, exactly. I was I was just about to say that because yeah, yeah, we don't know who the hell she is. This woman, by the way, is Melanie Roberts, played by Melissa Moore, who uh, in the early '90s she appeared topless in all sorts of movies, including Samurai Cop. And actually, uh, I just uh, for a different podcast, I watched the horrible spoof movie Repossessed, and she's in that. And she's hey, in hey, 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 not horrible. Uh, you know what? I watched it just a couple days ago, so I will tell you, it's not just horrible; it's fucking. Horrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it, when I was a kid, I thought it was great because it had boobs. But I'll right. tell you, it has not. I can see boobs almost anywhere now. I, I got in this you, movie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know, like the the addition of of breasts in a movie doesn't have quite the same effect for me these days. But yes. uh, <laughs> you know, because um, yeah, I'm going to tell you right now. If I watched Vampire Cop when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. I would have fucking loved this. That's movie. it, right? That that's this is the maturity. <laughs> this is the maturing process. I guess. Of Mo and myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tits just don't do it for us. I mean, but I got to tell you though, there's some really fantastic boobs in this. But I, you know, not to you know, uh, uh, 
speak ill of women or anything like ah, whatever. I don't know what the hell I'm talking speak about, but ill of women. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, tired. Oh, I thought you were going to go somewhere with that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying like that. I, I think that, uh, I think that this, this has some really fantastic, you know, breasts in it. Well, why would that be speaking ill of women? Why would I don't, complimenting I don't, breasts? I'm, I'm out of my fucking skull tonight. So uh, I guess yeah. anyway, this, uh, this female character, Melanie Roberts is a reporter. Uh, so yeah. expect a few great news sequences coming up. That's our favorite thing ever. Like, in, in fact, I got to tell you, uh, one of the, one of the things that kept me going in this movie was knowing that there was going to be just a fucking awful news report scene oh, just man. around the corner at any moment. But before we get to that first news scene, we get introduced to the bathtub man. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> several times throughout the rest of this movie, we will be uh, we will see a man in a bathtub, and he will have some sort of conversation with a woman. And in this case, there's a woman named Lisa who wakes him up because he's like resting in the bath. He wonders where someone named Della is. Uh, he, and <laughs> Lisa wants Della to help her with a trick. At that point, I legit thought that she was talking about a magic trick. <laughs> <laughs> John wants Lisa to wash his back, and then he kind of suggests that they should have a threesome, even though he is exceedingly effeminate. Yeah, I was gonna say, I like wh- when because uh, we because they come back to him in a second, and uh, uh, I'm assuming it's it's Della or whatever the hell her name was. <laughs> Um, Della, Ella, it, Ella. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> a, A, A. Della uh, Reese is who it was. In yeah, Della Reese. And she's kind of over him uh, topless, you know, yeah. just another excuse to have boobs out, which is fine. Which is fine. Um, and, uh, and, and, and he kind of gets all super excited about it. And I'm like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. He, wait, he's not gay? I again, there will be sequences coming up. He's always in this bath. I don't know why he's even in the movie. I don't this this scene feels like it's taken from an entirely different movie and just placed in at random except for how this storyline in quotation marks ends, which even then it doesn't make any fucking sense. No, no, it doesn't make any sense. He, there's no reason for this character or any of these three characters really, well, two of the three characters to be even like mentioned. They're they're pointless. Well, we'll get back to him in just a second. First, we need to see Melanie Roberts doing a report about the murders last night, which included yep. corpses with animal-like bite marks, which Ooh. I guess the police just don't give a shit about. Yeah. They don't seem to be too... Like, we never hear about, like, the investigation ongoing, because I no. guess then you'd actually have to show maybe a person in a police uniform. <laughs> uh, and Hans is watching the news report, and he's... Uh, because he actually saw uh, the the well, he was there when his Kurt got killed. He suspects that the bite marks might be have been the cause of Kurt's death. Right. He has a new henchman already, by the way. Yeah, he's uh, his new henchman is Raymond, and uh, I love Raymond. I think everybody loves Raymond. Oh God! <laughs> hey, hey, hey Deborah! Deborah! My mother's tall. Ah, everybody ah. loves me. Um, <laughs> So Raymond is his henchman. I like Raymond as a character in this movie. I, I actually really do, too. He seems to be having a good time. So um, they have a little conversation. Uh, they actually mention a guy named Joey Sims, who we discover was the other victim last night. Uh, he right. was the guy who tried to rape um, what's-her-name. And, uh, and when good they find, old what's-her-name. When they find out that both of these people were killed in the, with animal bites on their neck, 
Raymond starts to get really surprised, and they decide that um, they should find out more about this Lucas character, who, of course, Hans had uh, met the night before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then they decide before to do that investigation to have sex with some prostitutes. And this this is one of those mo- <laughs> this is one of the moments right here where the the film quality goes from like kind of fucking awful to just pristine. <laughs> <laughs> they saved it for the right moments, right? They really the did. Stock. <laughs> they really did. So now we go to a beach house, and the beach house is Melanie's house. It's where she lives. And we see a, a woman kind of leave the house, go down to the beach, and she's wearing a bikini. Um, not a particularly warm-looking beach, I should say. Uh, and, and just kind of sit down, lay down and relax. I did not recognize that this was supposed to be Melanie at this point at all. Nope. Because, again, we've only seen her on TV. and sleeping, Exactly. Right? I mean, it's just really weird. So she's laying there, and we get to these POV. They're supposed to be creepy shots of someone kind of stalking her or trying to get to her. They get yeah. closer and closer, and then we discover that it's Tracy. Remember yeah. Tracy, the what's her name from earlier? No. <laughs> then and, you know, you know, there was one thing that I kind of got a kick about on this scene is like she's listening to the radio. Yes. And so uh, the the announcer announces that here's a new one from Fang. From Fang. <laughs> <laughs> so Tracy. By the way, Melanie does not get upset at all. She's not upset that Tracy has come to her house while she's relaxing. Doesn't call her or doesn't go to the police, which, of course, she should have. Uh, she has, she, she's calm and she's like, tell me what happened. And, uh, and, of course, the official story is that it was an animal, but this is what Tracy has to say. It was no animal. <laughs> it was a man. A man? He <laughs> was a tall man. He stopped the boy from hurting me. And then I just took off. But before I did, I could see. Tracy, what did you see? He had fangs like a wolf or something. And then he just bit the boy's neck. He bit the boy's neck. Tracy is awful. (laughs) Tracy is without a doubt the, the... the worst. Yeah, she's, uh, she's the worst. And, yeah, just the worst. Now, Melanie should have gone to the police with Tracy. She could have helped her out through the whole process. Yeah. Or even if she wanted to do a story about it, you certainly she would have let people know about this. Instead, she invites Tracy, a person she doesn't know and who has somehow traced her to her house, to stay with her at her beach house. Yeah, that's it, a little creepy. Yeah, it's just a really strange decision. It comes from a place where people just don't understand how like a human being would react to things. <laughs> It, yeah, sort of like uh, like the the brother in things. You might wonder why. The, by the way, where's Lucas, and how come we're not spending any time with him? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about to because yep. Melanie. I guess she just leaves after going sunbathing and and helping Tracy fall asleep or something. She goes to Lucas's house. I don't know how she knows where he lives. Yeah, I don't know how she knows him at all. Uh, I don't. She apparently actually she says that she followed him. I guess from the police station after he got off off of uh, his shift. But she's now, been having dreams about him. Yeah, she's been having dreams about him, but she doesn't refer to that. One really strange thing about this is we learn in just a second that Lucas will die if he's in sunlight. He managed to go through a police academy. Yeah, right? you know what? This is his another entire thing career. I, up to this, this is point. another thing I wanted to bring up. Because you can't just go into working like a, like overnight vice on a in a police force. You have to like you were going to say you have to go through through academy. 
You know, you have to spend so much time like walking the beat as a as a uni. What if know? someone just called him in to do something during the day anyway? Ex- right? Exactly. There's no such thing as a nighttime only cop. <laughs> and like he can only exist during the night. And, like, yeah. Even in this one conversation, he almost gets found out, and we're we're expected to think that he has been doing this for over a hundred years. <laughs> well, I don't know if he said he's been he's been a cop for over a hundred. No, years. that's right. I mean, no, but just the fact that he's existed for existed years. for over a hundred years. Yeah. So she comes to his house, and by the way, doesn't knock. Walks right in to a police officer's house. A- and you would think that he would have lost that ridiculous accent at some point in those hundred years. But no, <laughs> he well, still sounds like a redneck, you know. Well, he's hanging upside down, by the way. He sleeps upside down, you know, yeah, like a bat. a bat. Yeah. yeah. So his response to her, I think, is actually pretty amusing when she comes in. Yeah. Anybody home? Who the hell are you? You know what time it is? It's two in the afternoon. <laughs> It's two in the afternoon, and he 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 says quite reasonably that he works the night shift. So you yeah. know, it for him it's really early morning. Uh, in yeah, fact, he was. In, I was gonna say because I do work the night shift. Mm-hmm. Two in the afternoon for me is um, uh, I, well, I'm actually usually just about ready to go to bed at that point. So she's looking for kind of an exclusive. She wants to find out more information about what happened the night before. So she decided to break into the police officer's house, <laughs> who was involved with it. Really great idea. Yeah. Uh, it seems that they have a very adversarial relationship at first, but she quickly warms to him when she immediately asks him out to lunch. And then, because it's daytime and he would die if he went outside. <laughs> yeah, he suggests dinner. And, and I like how he even goes so far as to say, I can't go out now. <laughs> That's right. And her response is... How about dinner around nine? Oh, great. Right. I just can't go out right now, okay? That's right. What's wrong? You're allergic to a little sunlight? Oh, God, my horrible secret. She's discovered me. (laughs) Way to give it away, music. I like her idea is, oh, maybe he doesn't want to go out to lunch right now because he's allergic to sunlight. (laughs) Even as a joke, that's just a ridiculous thing to say. It really is. But she agrees. She's going to go out to dinner with him at nine. Yep. That's going to turn into something that's really fucking weird, as we'll discover in just a little bit. But before yeah. we get to that, we have to talk to Bathtub Guy again. Yeah, Bathtub Guy. I like the fact that you call him Bathtub Guy as well, because in my notes I call him Bathtub Guy as well. I think or I had his, his name. name. No, no, I, I think his, we got his name earlier, uh, which I, uh, I'm i not going to spend too much. Oh, his name is John, I guess. Well, Whatever. I, Unless uh, he's uh, John. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I just call him Bathtub Guy. So he's in the bathtub. <laughs> As is his way. And now yep. there's a topless woman kind of over him saying, are you ready for mama? Um, and remember, this is like the next day. <laughs> Which, by the way, I, I find that thoroughly disturbing when women say mm, that. Mm, you know, well, I, I, don't, I don't go in for that. But that's neither here nor there. Well, that's literally all that happens here. Uh, he yeah. talks about how shriveled he is. And then yeah, she he says, talks about how shriveled he is. And she says, well, maybe we can work. Unshrivel you. She means give okay. him a boner. Oh, is that what she meant? I think so. <laughs> So Melanie, remember, she's a reporter, so she has to report on stuff. What exactly the, the, the scope of what she does on a day-to-day basis is a little bit confusing since we saw her in the field earlier, but now we're also meant to understand that she does uh, in-studio stuff as well, yeah. I guess. So uh, she's at the studio. Her director is upset about the fact that she's pursuing this vampire story, and then he talks about how some comedic 
other stories that they've done, including about transsexual house pets and men who named their testicles. Yeah. She has a doctor there, a doctor who thinks that the attacks were done by bats, vampire bats. Uh, so while this is happening, Lucas, who, you, I mean, I don't know how, think about it. If it was 2 o'clock before and he's meeting her at 9, he's got a big gap in order to do stuff, but not a massive one. But he gets a call, a call directly to his house. They get his number once again from two of the prostitutes that, uh, that Geiger has. Asking for his help Him specifically To come over to their house He says Okay (laughs) (laughs) They tell him to come in two hours And he says No problem Alright Now they wink to someone off camera So we know That this is some sort of Setup Because of course it is Because of course The fuck it is And he He's just gonna go I guess So He doesn't call for backup He doesn't mention it To any other police officer He's just gonna help These two (sighs) prostitutes Yeah it's a very strange. Well, he has he has this weird sort of like, you know, uh, streak in him where where it seems like he's um, very into helping out prostitutes. <laughs> he's got to get him away from that lifestyle, I guess. Yeah, right, right. But I mean, just as a police officer, but when he's not working, by the way, he's even, he's off duty, so he's going to go over there and just fix things because yeah, that's I'll, how police work. I'll make it work. So then we do get that news broadcast. Uh, we get to see Melissa in action. The news broadcast looks like it was shot uh, for 17 cents with trash bags everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's really cheap and awful looking. And it, this time, it's not even like a news report. It's almost like uh, a current affairs type show. Uh, it's like, it's sub Morton Downey Jr. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and all it is is she brings on this doctor who says that the um, – the, the murders that have happened the, the curvature of the entry wounds on these people Looked like that it was an immense specimen Of vampire bat that did Yeah, it. so they were attacked by a huge vampire bat And he makes these like, hand signals like, like a flapping bird When he says that <laughs> <laughs> uh, And then they go to, to like He says like two sentences And then they uh, so immediately go to the phones So apparently it's also a live call-in show Cincinnati, you're on the air With a yes. uh, vampire bat guy <laughs> And someone mocks him immediately Asking him about vampire plays girls he gets incredibly pissed and walks off the set yeah that just doesn't make any sense speaking of not m- m- making any sense melanie decides that she has more important things to do like to investigate this story further so instead of finishing out her live television show for the next 20 minutes she's just going to leave makes sense to me makes sense to me well it doesn't make sense to her producer <laughs> they have this exchange which might be the worst one in the entire fucking movie let's listen uh, yeah. I got some ideas about this case of my own and I've got to check him out before the evening news Melanie now listen sweetheart you're getting obsessed by this whole case now why don't you turn the detective work over to the police and just read the news like a good little girl this could be the crime story of the year if anybody's going to get the scoop, it's going to be me. Yeah, but what am I going to do for the next 20 minutes? Do what you want. Run celebrity fast fishing. Kiss my best. That is so bad. I mean, yeah. that is horrible. And it, it's even even aside from the fact that this producer guy is sounds like a fucking idiot. <laughs> Yeah, well, I want to know where the hell this was filmed because, man, like the accents in this are just fucking like all a good over the place. <laughs> he's smoking a cigar while he's doing it. He <laughs> blows some smoke in her face. So yeah, so instead of firing her, he's just going to let her leave. 
And I guess he'll play something else for the next 20 minutes on TV. Yeah, professional bass fishing. <laughs> so uh, while she's going off to do something, Lucas arrives at the house by himself in his street clothes uh, to encounter the two girls. He goes in, and one of them says that Geiger found out what, that they were trying to leave and I guess killed or almost killed one of them who was now laying on the floor. She then suggests that Lucas do some CPR on this woman, and he does, and then she starts to kiss him while wacky sax music plays. <laughs> when I say wacky sax, I don't mean like... <laughs> that's the yakety sax. That's the yakety sax, that's right. Um, so, but it was a setup. So the other one points a gun at him, though because he's a sexy vampire man, though they don't know that at this point, Right. Uh, they they're gonna have sex with him first. Well, you got to give the you got to give it credit. I mean, the dude is a, is a very attractive man. He is a very attractive man. Yeah. Though I I hesitate to mention that they are prostitutes. <laughs> well, yeah, that is that. Too. So they they not that not that they're sick of sex or they can't enjoy sex, but I just can't see that being the priority in this case. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's the prostitute's answer to anything. You know, when in doubt, fuck it. <laughs> So uh, they start to have sex with him, or at least the woman on the floor does, and then he turns into a vampire. (laughs) He he vamps right the fuck out. He gets into it first. Like, he's getting Uh, into the... He's like, well, they're going to have me killed, but let's get into this. Uh, I kind of love the whole point when she has the gun pointed, you know, like, pointed at him, and he's, like, sort of, like, laying on the ground, you know, and, and, uh, you know, just, like, lounging with the chick who was on the ground. It's just, (laughs) like, that whole scene is just really ridiculous. It is so... I love it. I love it. There's so much. This this is one of those movies that we tend to get a lot of, uh, of like this, where the, watching the movie was kind of painful and boring, <laughs> but talking about it is so much fun. Which is a problem because it makes people who are listening think that it's going to be better than it actually. Is. Yeah, yeah. And this is another one that definitely falls under the just trust us on this one. You know, trust in us. Trust. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short. He bites the woman on the floor, and then he the the woman who was standing shoots him a bunch of times. Has no effect. Doesn't even injure his clothes. Injure his clothes, uh, and then he bites her. Yeah. Okay. But she, but she gets away. So uh, remember uh, <laughs> remember Melanie. Well, Melanie is walking in a dark alley for no reason. <laughs> I'm not well, not, s- not not for no reason. I mean, she's you know he's got to come and 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 protect her for, somehow. Well, so what happens is that Melody is now walking in a dark alley, and she is accosted by a criminal who uh, tries to steal her purse. Two. Yeah, two criminals. That's right. And this is so strange because he, <laughs> she's like, just give me a second. <laughs> I'll give you my purse. And she reaches, quite obviously, for some mace. And boy, that was a big mistake. They even say so. Yeah. That was a bad mistake, bitch. Now I'm going to have to carve up your pretty face. Let her go. Who said that? <laughs> Let her go. <laughs> Let her go. That boy ain't right. Um, yeah, th- I mean that accent again. Get him, boy. Like I think that most of this was filmed either. I think some of it was filmed in Orlando, but but I think a lot of it is filmed in California. But it doesn't. It sound like these accents are crazy. Right there. We, oh, right, right. Because it says at the end of the film, there's three spots where it was yeah. filmed. And yeah, you're right. You're right. This definitely said L.A. One of them was in Florida, and the but it's the third one. That deep where you, where you, yeah, it's like deep south, and it just you start getting the weird fucking accents. So Lucas scares the, these guys off, uh, and in fact, um, Melanie's very confused. She goes, "They look like they've seen a ghost," and he goes, "Maybe, <laughs> Maybe I, I need, need to shave." shave. <laughs> so 
she then invites him back home because she says, "Oh, I'm sorry that we didn't get to eat anything." Well, why didn't well, like what happened to dinner? Yeah, right. They were supposed to go out to dinner, but instead she just invites him back home, which again, good on him. But yeah. like, why don't they just go to eat something right then? And also, where was, was she going to find him? Did they just happen to run into each other? Yeah, because they never said where they were going to dinner, right? They just said we're going to meet up for dinner. <laughs> you know, at the place. It does the fish. You know, the place, you know, because it's a small town. There's only one restaurant. So that prostitute, the second one who was shooting at, um, at Lucas, well, you might think that she's dead right now, but she's not. She's nope. actually, uh, Geiger is with her and he is pissed. Uh, he, he can't believe that, that he, the two prostitutes that he somehow left to try to capture this police officer managed to let him get away. Yeah. He slaps her, and then we get a flashback of what happened like five minutes ago when she got bit on the neck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she, she mentions that you know he was doing some vampire shit, and they buy into it immediately. And Raymond actually says that what, what are they going to do, give up their guns and get some wooden stakes? That might have actually been a good idea. It would have been, actually. And Geiger thinks that Lucas is a special individual. This movie's so dumb. It's a very dumb movie. I like how you were <laughs> praising it just moments ago for how wonderfully dumb it was. <laughs> no, I mean, it is. It is wonderfully dumb. But, I mean, it's it's really... I mean, there are some really just jaw-droppingly <laughs> awful moments in this movie. Lucas goes home with Melanie and well, yeah. this should come as no surprise, but they're gonna have sex in a minute. But the yeah. transition into having sex, <laughs> like at first he refuses like a drink, and she goes, uh, 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 she, she, that's right. So he refuses a drink, and she goes, "Are you on some kind of no liquid diet?" And he goes, "Not always." Yeah, and he's then a, she, he's a pretty bad vampire. <laughs> and then she says, yeah, "That's right, he's pretty bad." <laughs> I never drink. Wine. (laughs) She goes, well, you don't drink and you don't smoke, so what do you do? And then he goes, well, sometimes I like to. And then she goes, me too. And then they fuck each other. (laughs) It's exactly what it sounds like. I kind of get a, get an idea in this, like, and and I wish they had, uh, uh, expanded on this, uh, later in the film, but they they don't. So of course, it makes me realize that my theory is wrong. But <laughs> there's a moment where she puts his, her thumb in his mouth and runs her finger. That's right like, along his teeth, and like, but his fangs aren't out. No, even though it is cutting occasionally two shots of sharp teeth during this. Yeah. So just to make it extra confusing. So I'm thinking, thinking to myself, so is she fucking him just to get a chance to feel his teeth? Because it's not a bad plan. I mean, it's not a bad plan, I guess. Not a bad question, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not going to belabor this point, but back over at um, at Geiger's house, he uh, he's given Raymond a special treat, so he's letting um, him have sex with Lisa. Ooh. Lisa used to be his favorite. We don't know this, right? He just says it here. But because she didn't capture the cop, he's pissed at her. So he uh, holds her while Raymond starts ripping at her clothes because they're bad people and they're creeps. That was his bottom bitch. That's right. That's right. Maybe you're a bad person because you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, time has no meaning. So the, the order of these events are so strange because, like, I guess that's happening in the middle of the night or whatever. Back at Melanie's house. By the way, Melanie's house from the outside is a nice beachside 
large looking house, but inside is a very tiny apartment that might yeah, be well a looked, hotel room. Yeah, I was gonna say it looks like a one bedroom apartment, if not a, <laughs> if not a one room apartment. She wakes up and she's alone. She hates that. There's a note left by Lucas. It says, "Sorry, I couldn't stay. See you tonight." And then the phone rings. <laughs> Good timing. She yep. answers it with. Lucas, is that you? <laughs> but it's not Lucas. It's Hans Geiger, the businessman, the legitimate businessman, certainly not a drug dealer. And he says that the police are pros- uh, prosecuting, are persecuting him, and that he wants to, her to do a story on it. And he wants to present his side of the story, so she invites him into the uh, studio to do a live interview, but he, uh, because there's a warrant out for him, he says that that's not a good idea, so he asks her to come alone to see him instead. And she agrees. <laughs> there are some goddamn stupid people in this movie. She's so d- the weird thing about it is that nothing bad happens to her. Yeah. They meet at the docks. He has a statement. And she films it, I guess, somehow, even though there's no indication that she has a camera. And then she leaves and everything works out fine. <laughs> now, uh, you, you ever watch uh, Frasier? Uh, no. Really? Not really. Not really. Well, I should throw toss salad and scrambled eggs on I was going to say, face. I know there's something about scrambled eggs. Or... <laughs> well, the reason I bring it up is that usually on Frasier, uh, on almost every episode, there's some sort of misunderstanding between the characters, which if they had talked, if they had had a conversation, they probably could have worked out. And then at the end, it all gets worked out and they realize how silly they've been. I bring this up because we are now introduced to two new prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> and Raymond, uh, no, not Raymond. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Raymond comes over to take their money. Yeah. Uh, and we're gonna see these prostitutes in just just a little bit again. They're characters, and Lucas is going to have a real unfortunate misunderstanding with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It. It. it we'll. We'll see it in just a moment. But this, before we... this. This is another. Uh, another moment that's almost exactly like bathtub guy, where it's like it's so gratuitous and so unnecessary. You know. Well, I guess. I mean, not to... not as unnecessary as bathtub guy, <laughs> but really nothing is. The idea here is that Raymond, because he's like a tough guy, he's getting like they're holding out money on him. That the prostitutes aren't all like working with them, and I guess they're just supposed to give him a little bit more color. I guess. So on Melanie's show, they run the statement from Geiger uh, talking about how he's a legitimate businessman, and they run a reply from Lieutenant Ryan. Yeah, Mal Arnold. And that's Mal Arnold, who has now been introduced to the movie, and he talks about that not only have they charged Geiger with uh, the drug infractions, but also with the murder of a police officer. So they don't believe his story that he's just a legitimate businessman. Yeah, well, the crazy part about this is that, like, A... If they had that, if they if they actually had that much evidence against him, why have they not arrested why him? Why have they not arrested him? The other thing is, what was he hoping to achieve by going on television and pro- professing his his innocence? Yeah, right. He says so. It shows him and Raymond. And by the way, we, you'll only notice at this point, Raymond is eating in every scene that we see him in. Yeah, this, it's most noticeable in this sequence because him and Geiger are sitting next to each other, and Raymond is eating a banana while watching <laughs> this TV show. And he says afterwards, Geiger says that Lucas might pay them a visit now. So they wanted to draw Lucas out. Apparently, it's really easy to find Lucas. You can just go to his house, or right. I mean, yeah. this was all to draw Lucas out to go on TV <laughs> and look <sighs> like a criminal. <laughs> very, very strange. Um, oh, 
the 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 bathtub story comes to an end now. <laughs> so, so the bathtub guy who's still in a bathtub, uh, Lisa like and Della. Four days later, two of the prostitutes. Remember, Lisa we now know is is uh, has was bitten by Lucas. He's, he's she's a, she's once bitten, twice shy. That's right. Well, she's a vampire now. We we just figure that here because she attacks the bathtub guy, and that's the end of his story. Yeah, here's the thing that I don't I don't get. She attacks the bathtub guy. What happens with Della? Yeah. Yeah. I'm also very confused about this whole vampire turning process. Right? It's like it's like you get bit and you turn into a vampire. Okay. So but what about all the other people who have been bit? That's right. And and what the fuck, Lucas? Why the fuck are you turning these people into unkillable vampires? Well, then and then there's the other thing that that typically in vampire lore, and I'm going to sound like a big huge fucking nerd here. Tired. But but typically in vampire lore, you know, when when a vampire turns another vampire, he is now their master, their creator. Right. You know, so why does he have no control over her? Well, the thing about the all these really Sensible questions that you have, Mo, is that we will get answers to none of them. Exactly. <laughs> they will, you'll actually have fuck. you'll actually have even more questions, including a particularly ridiculous one in just a little bit. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, just a quick sequence here where Melanie, her co-anchor, because apparently she co-anchors a news broadcast, tells her to stop making waves, but she's like, "I got to get my scoop." So that's what she's going to do, I guess. Oh, is that who that was? I for some reason I thought that was like her editor. No, I but think pro- co- I think it a, is too. Yeah. It is because we see him at the end once again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so Lieutenant Ryan, Mal Arnold, he's getting in his car. Not again, not a police car. Just a we never see a police car. Raymond is there and uh, kidnaps him. Yep. They jabber job for a second and they kidnap him. So those prostitutes. This is what I mentioned before. This is the Frasier moment where Lucas, uh, he's there. To uh, he talks to her for a second. They ask if he's there for the midnight madness sale, and he shows him uh, the, his police badge. We don't get to see it because that would be a prop that might cost money to <laughs> make. <laughs> um, yeah, so he he tosses some salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> no, but he suggests that the prostitutes uh, get off the streets for a while because it's going to get intense. He says, <laughs> but then she's about Me- to get real. But then Melanie arrives out of the fucking blue. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, the, the, the prostitutes try to make it look like Lucas was trying to pick him up, which it does look like he was since he had his wallet out in front of the two <laughs> prostitutes. <laughs> uh, but she, honestly, she's not that she's not really that pissed about the prostitute thing, even though the prostitutes are trying to make it a thing. She's no, more, because because she almost immediately suggests they go back to her place again. Yeah. Exactly. Even though she is pissed because he left before she woke up. This dude it, must have like a Superman dick or something because like he like women just drop their panties in his direction, you know, like he, anytime he's a, around. He's a good looking guy. He is a good looking dude. He's a fine looking man. So um, back at the uh, the secret villain lair, I guess it looks like just some kind of, I don't know, uh, abandoned basement. Basement. That's good. <laughs> yeah. um, Mal Arnold is tied up. And he has Raymond, uh, Geiger, and some <laughs> prostitute. Random chick, yeah. <laughs> and they're kind of beating the shit out of him for no good reason at all. Uh, I guess the best way for Geiger not to be arrested is to take the lead detective on his case and make him disappear. <laughs> <laughs> right sure. after he makes a statement on television about how they're going to get him. <laughs> Mal Arnold, you're right, does have the best performance in his short uh, Absolutely. bit here because he gets to have this... Uh, exchange with Geiger about his heritage. Who might that be? 
Are you that Nazi freak that's been muscling out all the dope pushes in the city? Being a German immigrant does not make me a Nazi, Lieutenant. No. That's the sound of him putting a cigarette out on his arm. <laughs> me being a German immigrant does not make me a Nazi, Lieutenant. Have you ever had an Egyptian feast? <laughs> <laughs> See, I was a little disappointed because Mal Arnold is a really good eyebrow actor. I know. You know, and he doesn't do a lot of eyebrow acting in this one. I'm very little disappointed. So this is very – so uh, honestly, they're giving uh, the lieutenant here they're, – they're offering him a deal. What they're yeah. saying is that they'll let him go uh, if he just retracts his statement to the press and uh, that he doesn't interfere with the rest of whatever the fuck they end up doing. He has such a great line here where he goes, before I get in bed with someone, I like to see who I'm fucking. <laughs> and then the, the girl gets close to him, and it's like, hey, wait, he's going to be on the bad guy's side. But then he yep. spits in the girl's spits face. Spits in her I fucking face. The, the fact that the girl seems to only be there to have someone spit in her face. <laughs> uh, so then Raymond punches him in the stomach, and then he tells Geiger that he's going to handle Mal Arnold personally. And he does that by taking out a chainsaw. Say put, putting on a pair of sunglasses. I should mention. Yep. Saying it's showtime, and uh, we see a bunch of blood squirting everywhere as he is apparently chainsawing uh, Mel Arnold to death. Yeah. So meanwhile, so they must have blown their entire fake blood budget on this scene <laughs> because anytime else, any other time where there should be a ton of blood, I don't know, like people getting bit blood or in shot, a vampire movie, <laughs> you know. Uh no, it just but this scene there's just fucking like Raimi esque you know levels of blood you know all over the place. Any other moment, like the I think the most blood you see is there's a spot later where um Lucas bites somebody and he's got like a little trickle of blood (laughs) on his lip. This scene chainsaw fucking blood everywhere. Well, what can you say? I mean, I got, uh, it was cool, though. It would be hard. I mean, it is ridiculous. We put the, actually a video clip of this is over on the uh, Facebook group as well. Yeah. Um, but it would be hard to do a, a, a chainsaw death with a, without at least some blood. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, so Melanie brought Lucas home once again. Uh, she seems to be in a much better mood than the last time that she was talking to him. <laughs> uh, she opens the door to the house. And Tracy is there. Remember Tracy? She's still living with her. Yeah. <laughs> She's really getting the scoop on this whole story. <laughs> but when Tracy sees Lucas, she recognizes him. And now, of course, what she would then do is say, oh, my God, that's the guy who attacked my attacker a couple of nights ago. Or that's the vampire or something like that. But instead, she just runs. <laughs> she runs out the door and runs away. <laughs> and Melanie, instead of trying to stop her or say, hey, what's up? Why are you so upset? She just lets her go. Because that makes sense, too. Because, you see, Melanie has already got this shit figured out. Oh, yeah. She's got it on fleek, as the kids say. That's very good. That's the first reference to on fleek on this podcast ever. I Uh, win. And and hopefully the last. (laughs) Yeah, it it definitely will be the last. So they go into the living room and they sit down because it's time for her to have a very serious conversation with Lucas about the fact that he's very, very, very obviously a vampire. vampire. (laughs) Within this conversation about how <laughs> how he's a vampire uh, and, and, and even he admits to it she says something really unusual so let's play it and then I want to talk about it alright I should have figured this out by now I mean the way you move out in sunlight you don't even cast a reflection in a mirror this is too crazy to believe 
true. You're a vampire, aren't you? Yeah. That's what I am. You don't even cast a reflection in a mirror. <laughs> wow. I would think, by the way, I mean, she's, look, the, the fact that he doesn't go out in sunlight, there are ways to explain that away. The fact that Tracy was scared of him, there are ways to explain that away. But maybe if they had showed at some point that he doesn't reflect in a mirror. <laughs> yeah, how did she know that? <laughs> the suggestion is that she at some point, even though we didn't get to see it, saw him not reflect in a mirror. You think at that moment she would have said, huh. That's a little odd. <laughs> That's a bit <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> Maybe if I add all this together. I like how Tracy running out was the breaking point for her, not the, oh, he doesn't show up in a mirror. <laughs> Which, by the way, the fact that they don't show because it would have been a simple special effect that they just didn't want to do is yep. so fucked up and stupid. <laughs> uh, she even mentions that she's going to have the, fir- the world's first interview with a vampire. Ugh. This is as much, by the way, the movie's just about over. Like, we're only a couple minutes away. Yeah. Uh, we get as much exposition about him as a vampire as we're going to get. He is over 100 years old. He lives off human blood. That is all we get to find out. We don't know yep. anything about his history at all. Or Good. how he became a vampire, or how many vampires are in the world, or anything. Yeah. But he only has one thing that he's dedicated to doing, and that's finding Geiger because Geiger killed his partner. Yep. It was kind of his partner's fault, but whatever. It was totally his partner's fault. We uh, then get another POV shot of someone wandering around the beach house, but last time it was a trick. It wasn't really a bad person at all, so we probably think it's going to be like that too. I love this this particular POV shot because in this one, uh, it's a really, really shitty day for night. Yes. So it's just fucking just blue. Because, of course, it had to be night for him to come to this place, which is and it's just the same footage as before, the same POV shot. So they've just added day for night to it, I think. Yeah, I think uh, they just they just tinted it blue, basically. Yeah, so that which is ridiculous. <laughs> so they are about to. Uh, they get a phone call actually, and um, uh, Melanie finds out that it was from the TV station. She finds out that that Mel Arnold's character is dead. This is sort of uh, a breaking point thing for Lucas. He's going to go out and try to find Geiger, but he doesn't have to because Geiger and Raymond. Burst through the door, Raymond gets uh, Melanie by the neck. She has a, he has a uh, a knife, and they decide they're going to have a little conversation. I like what one of them. I think I think Raymond says, "I didn't know that vampires had girlfriends." <laughs> <laughs> here's the here's the part that I don't get. Okay, why they came to his house? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, they came no, to her house. No, no, that that part that part doesn't bother me at all. What I don't fucking get is that she now officially knows he's a vampire. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he is on a mission to kill Geiger. He's a fucking vampire. Why doesn't why, he just kill Geiger? Why doesn't he just vamp out and fucking kill him right then and there? Well, why, no, is it, why does it matter? Well, he he doesn't do that because they have a knife against her throat. So that's the reason he's not doing it up to that nah, point. That does, no, that doesn't make any fucking sense because he's a fucking vampire. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to fucking... It uh, especially doesn't make any sense because... That thing that you said that he should do, he does. Yeah. He just waits a really long time to do it. Oh, God, so dumb. So one of the things that Geiger says, uh, he takes away uh, Lucas's gun. He goes, I don't know why you need a gun. 
<laughs> because you're a vampire, and it's a very good point because he uses a gun a lot for a guy who doesn't need one. Yeah, he says something like, "I've heard you have a rather nasty overbite." <laughs> Wink. Yeah. And then he says this because because Lucas goes because Lucas is playing dumb. He's like, "What are you talking about?" And then he says, "I'm talking about a vampire cop." An officer with a rather unique way of making a collar. He says that like it's like a really uh, funny, like a pun or something, or like a like a place. Like he has a really unique way of making a collar, and it's like that's, yeah. that doesn't that doesn't even make any sense. No, it doesn't make any. Oh yeah, because yeah. he bites people on the neck, you know, and yeah. the collar goes around someone's neck. It's oh, I get it. Stupid. I'm so his talking plan... about a vampire cop. <laughs> so Geiger's plan is very straightforward. He's just going to sit there for two hours until the sun comes up, and then the sun's going to kill Lucas, and then they're going to turn Melanie into a prostitute. Yeah. That is his whole plan. Now, you would think that they would have to be very, very careful in this situation, because obviously Lucas isn't just going to sit there and die, and especially when he realizes that nothing good's going to happen to Melanie anyway. There's no good way out of this. So, of course, he's going to try something. Uh... But they don't seem too worried. And in fact, at one point, uh, Raymond goes outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, as you might imagine, and as uh, Mo alluded to, as the time starts to pass, I think like an hour passes or something like that. Um, yeah, it even goes so far as to say an hour later or something yeah. like that. So they've just or... been sitting there for an hour. <laughs> Why didn't they show up to her house a little bit later? He still would have been there. <sighs> Um, so uh, Lucas starts to vampire out, and mm-hmm. uh, Geiger, who knows that bullets don't work on him, starts to shoot him anyway. <laughs> and then he falls back uh, on a couch. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, no. First, like, uh, Lucas falls back, pretending like he's hurt, uh, yeah. and then he jumps up and bites Geiger on the neck. Geiger falls back on a couch, and then the sun comes up. So I guess this whole process took an hour. <laughs> Now, you might think, okay, so he's bitten Geiger, things like, it looks like shit's coming down, you know, it's all happening, and it's like, but wait, he just immediately turns into a vampire, so now you have turned the bad guy into an unkillable vampire. Yeah. And Geiger probably would have been okay, maybe if he crawled under a sheet or something, because he couldn't be hurt, right? But instead, he runs outside. (laughs) Well, she opens a window. That's true. Right? Yeah, and 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 he starts. And to I guess burn Lucas. We don't face. see Lucas hide. He's there too, but I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, there's so many things about this part. A of lot the of questions here. No goddamn fucking sense. <laughs> so, so Geiger then runs out the door, and he starts to smoke from one side of his face, like some smoke comes out, and it's all done in slow yeah. motion to stretch the running time as much as possible. Yep. He then falls over like her veranda thing. He just falls to the ground. She runs out. <laughs> By herself and runs down to see what happened to him, and then we in, see in slow mo. In slow mo, and then she gets close to him, and at first he looks like he's fine, but then we get a close up and he is melting. Which is actually some pretty neat. It's a pretty stuff. good makeup effect. Yeah. Some pretty neat, neat uh, practical effects. You what know? a world! <laughs> <laughs> I'm melting. I'm melting. What a and world! Then, and then, like he's melting for a bit, and then his face is on fire, which is even better than the melting. Yeah, no, it's cool because like the whole time, like his hands are still going and stuff. It's 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 neat. I I like I like the way that this this death happens, except for the fact that why it happens is idiotic. And now you would think we're gonna have a conversation, 
Lucas may be comforting her. She'll go back in the house. Maybe they'll get into a dark room or something. We will get some sort of wrap up, but instead it just fades to that silhouette from the very beginning of the movie of the vampire cop. And we see that cop car one more time. And then it goes to the final part of the entire movie, which is a news report Mm -hmm. that again, looks like it was filmed by a couple of junior high students. (laughs) It looks awful. Uh, and let's just, this is what happens, and, uh, and we'll elaborate afterwards. Back to you, Don. Thank you, Melanie, for that exclusive report. In other news tonight, 14 Walmart shoppers are dead after a disgruntled video store employee opened fire during a midnight madness sale. The gunman identified police as Mark J. Levine. Uh, Melanie, uh... uh. thinking is happening is exactly what is happening. She does a news report talking about how the I guess Geiger's dead and I guess, I guess there's no questions from the police about why he melted on the side yeah. of the fucking beach. Uh, and then she pitches over. The guy does this stupid story. By the way, you could tell in that story that, that he, if he said Walmart or Kmart that they've, blo- they've actually blocked that word out because well, obviously... You know, they- who, you, you, you know what must have happened and it makes total sense now that I think about it. Uh, Lieutenant Ryan was obviously replaced by Chief Wiggum. <laughs> Possibly Good a work, mummy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so he's he's doing this report. She starts to cough, and then he does the classic cut signal across his uh, throat as if someone coughing is going to make the news just stop. Yeah, and right. then she is suddenly a vampire and attacks him, which yep. presents a lot of different questions. So like- Lucas... Bitter? <laughs> no, did... uh, no. Mem- uh, Geiger bitter. Did he? Did we see? Yeah, that? Me- yeah, 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 yeah. When, when, uh, when he, when Geiger becomes a vampire, he pushes her onto a couch and he bites her arm. Oh, but, that's but, right. But, but because they never use any fucking blood, you never know that he actually bitter. But he bites uh, her but she, arm. But she puts her arm up to block him. And his mouth goes up on her arm, so you're supposed to. I, so I just assumed that's when it happened, but, but there's also, no way of knowing it. With every other vampire character, being a vampire doesn't change their temperament at all, right? It right. doesn't make them a different person. He's a vampire cop, so he's a good guy, right? So, but, here, but here's the other problem: is that when if, if she was bitten, like as fast as it took Geiger to become a vampire, right? When she goes out to check on Geiger out in the sunlight, she should have been a vampire already by that Because he point. T- turned into a vampire immediately. Like that. Yeah, exactly. But also, so why we, she didn't learned, die then? We've learned early in the movie that being a vampire isn't like a full-time thing. You kind of, well, I mean, you're always a vampire in terms, of the, in terms of the limitations, but the fangs are things that come on and off, and you kind of hulk into it. Yeah. Um, so she just murdered a guy on TV live. Yeah. Who I mean, it did. It was established earlier that he's kind of an asshole, but she murdered him. You know, this means that Lucas has to now kill her because yeah, she's exactly. a criminal. Exactly. So that's really dumb, and that's the yeah. end of the fucking movie. That's how the movie fucking ends, and we get a very lengthy credit sequence, uh, which uh, 
it does show each of the actors and the character they played, though it doesn't actually name the character that they played. Uh, the whole movie itself is only about 77 minutes long. We should mention, by the way, that another familiar name is on the credits of this movie. Associate producer is uh, Tim Ritter on this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Tim Ritter had a uh, pre-existing relationship with Donald Farmer. Uh, I think actually Tim Ritter acts in Cannibal Hookers, uh, or, or at least one of Donald Farmer's earlier movies and uh, and they've worked together and have a, a, a relationship that obviously exists to this day but uh but yeah so tim ritter was an associate producer on this and if you wait long enough through the closing credits you know what happens oh that's right <laughs> a little more slow kill yes but uh that's it i just wanted to freak you out and so with that that's the end of 1990s vampire cop a not very good movie. <laughs> no, no, I, I could, I could, I can't recommend this. The thing is, I mean, it's it's dumb in a way that some people would find fairly entertaining with a group. It might actually be. A oh no, this fun. would be, this would be fun as shit with a group. But from the from the when you compare it to some of the more um, obviously fun but bad type movies that we've covered on this show, there just isn't enough stuff that happens in the movie, and its focus, like the reason it exists isn't to be a fun, goofy, low-budget vampire movie. It's to have a lot of nudity and occasional moments of vampirism. Yeah, basically. <laughs> the violence, when it happens, is actually kind of nice. I wish there was more of it, and I'm not one of those guys who kind of relies on violence, but the movie certainly picks up when it, it decides to r- remind itself that it's it's supposed to be a horror movie or appeal to horror movie fans. And I, and I think I think a lot of the violence, to be completely honest with you, with the exception of the chainsaw scene, I think... Oh, and the the arm breaking at the beginning. <laughs> uh, I really think that a lot of the violence is, is underdone and could have been a lot more graphic and a lot more violent. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I so think all it, the moments of vampirism are, are weak, real yeah. weak sauce, to be honest. Well, the vampire element of this movie is very weak because it really, really makes little sense. Because one of the whole points of doing a vampire movie, especially one that takes place in modern day, is some sort of exploration of how you became a vampire or what that means or how it works in the context of the world or the rules, right? Because the whole thing about vampire as a monster is that it has a whole bunch of rules. In this movie, we figure out which rules apply, like the sunlight and, but you know, there's a whole lot of them. We know nothing about what, if he goes to the restaurant, can he not have something with garlic on it? I mean, there's no Christian mythology stuff. It's just a really kind of weak element, which, which could have been a a lot stronger. And And they don't, they don't even explain how, like because just just being bitten by a vampire should not be enough to turn you <laughs> you know like because that's one of the biggest things in in vampire lore is you become a vampire because if you basically if uh, i think the way it goes is if you is if <laughs> a vampire feeds on you and god i feel like such a nerd yeah but you should if, feel like a fucking nerd right if now. a vampire feeds on you <laughs> and uh and you don't feed on the vampire then you become a ghoul like you become like a, like a Renfield, you know, that, yeah. that's like, that's Renfield basically, um, you know, so you need to feed on the host vampire, the one who originally sucked your blood because there has to be that intermingling of blood in order to become the vampire. I mean, that makes sense in the context of if he's been a vampire for a hundred years and he needs to yeah. drink blood every single day from a person, since that's the only thing we ever see him drink from, right. that right. means that every person he bites turns into a vampire. 
yeah. right, in the context of this movie. So that doesn't make any sense. So your way, which is the traditional way, obviously makes a lot more sense. But the biggest yeah. problem with Vampire Cop, and the reason that it's a failure in a lot of ways, is that the Vampire Cop himself is a supporting player in his own movie. He's yeah. not the star. The Melanie no. Roberts character is the star. She's yeah. the one that we spend most of the time with. And she's the least interesting part of the movie. Who gives a shit about her stupid story and whether it's yeah. stupid or not? I want to see true. the Vampire Cop busting criminals and feeding on them and somehow <laughs> getting away with it even though i mean we see three police officers in this entire fucking movie Va- vampire cop could have been like a fucking supernatural robocop yeah something like that or hey or been... supernatural robot uh ninja yeah right i, I am vampire I said that cop <laughs> i am vampire cop and i kick ass or i bite ass because <laughs> he takes a bite out of crime. He takes a bite out of ass. So this is a bit of a disappointing movie, but of course we're not writing off Donald Farmer at all uh, because of this. Again, no, we, this was, we don't write off people. It's just not in our nature. And we, I actually, I, and I enjoy Cannibal Hookers. I think it's a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, I, re- I remember thinking Dorm of the Dead was pretty good when I saw it a few years back. And he's still working consistently and has been. And that's something that a lot of the kind of uh, original shot on video directors haven't been. They haven't been able to work consistently. But he yeah. has like a consistent filmography that goes all the way through the '90s and 2000s, and even has a uh, a movie called Grind's Ploitation that he's currently filming. Apparently, Ooh. according to IMDb. But I know um, I think they recently tried to bring back the Splatter Times as like an online thing. Uh, and it mentions that his latest movie, Shark Exorcist, is coming out soon. Wow. That sounds interesting. That title could, is great. It's going to have to be a good movie. Uh, that is a great title. Actually, I think uh, Grindsploitation is another anthology that he's going to be a part of. Uh, so that's the, you know, I, I, there's uh, some recognizable names. Uh, Izzy Lee, who was uh, 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 Scarlet Fry, is doing a segment on it. Uh, yeah, so uh, I guess we'll see how that goes. Well, at least we know which segment to fast forward through. Now, now. Everyone what? gets a chance. Everyone <laughs> gets a chance. Well, Look, yeah, Scarlet Fry's uh, Junk Food Horror Fest, that was almost like a decade ago, right? I mean, we got we to gotta open the possibility that he's improved since then. And I really shouldn't be insulting him on our Facebook group <laughs> for no good That's reason. True. That said, no, no, you're 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 right. You're right. I, you know. Uh, that yeah. said, the, the issue that one, some of the major issues, see, I had especially with, seeing as we just said we don't write people off I know, for right? one bad movie. <laughs> that the, the the fact is that the issues I have with his movie that we did see were ideological as well as the quality of the filmmaking. Right, right. So right. you know, to, to me, it, it but it, it could very well be representative of someone who was young and made some mistakes and maybe didn't you know their 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 perspective on things have evolved. So yeah, we always leave that as a possibility. Well, I threw her down a well. Oh, oh well. well. So that's the end of Vampire Cop. I'm sure we'll return to a different Donald Farmer film in the future. Yeah, um, absolutely. Now, it's time to talk about what we'll be covering on the next episode of No Budget. Yeah. And uh, as per usual, uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit exciting. This is one that's kind of been a long time coming in some ways. Because it kind of has, yeah. It's, it's strange that we that that we haven't exactly overlooked this person. It's someone that we've mentioned many times before. Uh, but we I didn't actually consider until you brought it up to me earlier today, Mo, that we should actually cover this on the show. But, you know, in terms of the next generation of 
shot on video enthusiasts and uh, obsessives even, there's mm. there's few names that are uh, more recognized, at least in our inner circle, however small it may be, than Johnny Dickey. Yeah. And now I've interviewed Johnny before, and I've uh, I reviewed one of his more recent movies, but we're going to go back to the beginning. Now, Johnny Dickey is, I think... I, I don't know how old he is now, but he's a very young man, and he loves shot on video horror, and he uh, is a collector, and he interacts with a lot of the directors online. And a few years ago, back in 2012, when I think he was like 16 or something, 17? I want to say, yeah. He made a uh, a movie, an anthology movie called Slaughter Tales. And Slaughter Tales? <laughs> you going to say anything about Slaughter Tales? No, I'm just I'm, I'm I, I you you're know entranced by my voice. I, I, I got I got to tell you, I, you know, sometimes I forget that we're not like like a video. <laughs> so I'm sitting. Here I can nodding. see you nodding. Yeah, I'm sitting here <laughs> nodding my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> well, just say I'm nodding right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm nodding my head. So in 2012, Johnny Dickey directed the anthology Slaughter Tales. And in fact, he didn't just direct it. He also wrote it, and I believe he uh, appears in it as well. In fact, he does. Uh, and Lloyd Kaufman does, of course, as well, because we love that. Um, and on the next episode, we are uh, finally going to cover a Johnny Dickey movie. We're going to be talking about Slaughter Tales. Slaughter Tales. Slaughter Tales. <laughs> Johnny's a great guy, uh, and obviously is a big enthusiast of not only shot on video horror, but also just the entire culture that sort of revolves around it. Uh, and um, we actually, Johnny helped do some of the appliances for one of the segments of High Eight, and we did mention that earlier when we uh, yep. did that episode. Uh, but this will be our first uh, opportunity to see him in action uh, as director, writer, and actor. Well, you know what my what my what my thinking was when I when I came up with with saying we tell we me do tell me your thinking. Tales. Well, I was thinking is, uh, you know, we, 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 we spent the last few weeks kind of covering the classics, you know, and, uh, and I, and I was kind of thinking back to some of our old episodes and I remembered that we covered, uh, Bobby Keller's, uh, uh, Deatherman. That's right. And, and I, and I said, oh, maybe it'd be a good idea to, to, you know, to, to jump forward again and, and, and do, you know, uh, a modern, uh, you know, uh, SOV. And, uh, and and yeah, so and and I've been meaning to bring up Slaughter Tales for a while now, and and I and I have you know a while ago, but uh, well, but it's, now interesting. Said, it's interesting. It's interesting because it seemed like the right time. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because we did cover High Eight and House of Forbidden Secrets recently, right. which is really the evolution of kind of classic shot on video directors and no budget directors and where they are now. But right. we haven't really, you know, we we have watched things like Deatherman, things like uh, movies that represent current ultra low budget and micro budget directors and what kind of the state of things are but really going to someone who's very young really someone who wasn't even around during the heyday of shot on video yeah. I mean wasn't even alive but yeah. still has that passion and interest in making micro budget movies I think that this is going to be kind of a really unique opportunity to uh, to tackle that uh, from the perspective of what a modern filmmaker using sort of digital equipment and, right, and trying right. to recreate some of that feel what that what that's really like and, and right. what, what better way than to start with uh, about as young as you can possibly get in these scenarios <laughs> it's true it's true so on the next episode of the no budget nightmares podcast we will be looking at 2012's slaughter tales oh yeah 
Mo, if someone wants to keep up on No Budget Nightmares, see all the behind-the-scenes tidbits, keep up on our uh, upcoming and current work, what's the best way for them to do so? Oh, they should just hop onto that old Facebook. Hop! Hop onto it, like the Easter Bunny, and hop on, go on facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. That's right. One, one word. All one word. That's right. And of course, you can find Mo and myself on Twitter. He is at drunk on VHS, and I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E U Y. And I also, I also have the the newly minted at Strange Vapes. Oh, at Strange Vapes. Very nice for that Mo's web show about vaping. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, interesting vaping flavors and whatnot. You can, yep. of course, if you want to check out old episodes of No Budget Nightmares podcast, if you want to uh, check us out on iTunes or on Stitcher, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, we'd appreciate it very much. You can pop on over to nobudgetpodcast.com. Uh, you can also, of course, sign up to our Patreon campaign there, and we would very much appreciate if you would do so. Uh, again, some of the rewards of that, which include choosing upcoming movies for us to cover on the show, will be going out very soon. So you're going to probably see some really strange movies covered on the next few episodes of this podcast. Um, almost terrified. You should be terrified because, you know, Mo, life in the fast lane can be a thrill. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> but with that said, Mo, is there anything else you need to plug or mention before we finish up today? I don't believe so. I'm not really I haven't been doing anything. Uh, only thing I'd like to mention quickly is that I was recently on the latest episode of the uh, Not So Evil Episodes podcast talking about spoof movies. In fact, the topic was uh, spoof movies released in the wake of Airplane or uh, in that style. And uh, the four movies covered are Student Bodies, Bloodbath in the House of Death, Repossessed, and uh, Dark and Stormy Night just from a few years ago. And uh, yeah, we have uh, some pretty strong opinions about those four movies. It was nice. I will say it was nice to watch Student Bodies again. <laughs> yeah, I like Student Bodies. Uh, Bloodbath of the House of Death is one of those movies I saw when I was a kid, and I liked it at the time because it has uh, uh, Vincent Price swearing. And mm-hmm. uh, as an adult, that just doesn't do it for me as much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, did you see anything interesting lately, Mo? I uh, recently tortured myself and watched mm-hmm. uh, uh, all six of the available Fast and Furious films. Um, so I sat through like, uh, I sat I've never through... seen any of them. So I'm very interested to hear your response. Well, I'll, I'll very, I'll very briefly go through them all. Okay. Uh, the, fir- the first one is shit. Okay. Uh, just pure, pure shit. Uh, the second one is cartoonishly fun, but still a terrible fucking movie. Uh, the third one is shit. Is that Tokyo uh, Drift, the third one? To- Tokyo Drift. If you're not uh, out of control, four- you're not in control. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the fourth one somehow manages to be worse than one and three. Okay. Uh, and, and then the fifth one, they they turn the whole series on its ear, and it becomes fucking awesome. See, that's what everyone says, that from there yeah. point, it all gets really good. But yeah. the fact is, you had to watch four movies you didn't enjoy. <laughs> yeah. I had, well, you know what the funny thing is? Is that uh, at the beginning of five... They actually do a very quick recap of everything that happened in one through four. So you don't have to watch one through four. You can go right to five and uh, and not really. Actually, feel I like don't you... have to watch any. Well, you don't of them. have to watch any of them, <laughs> but I would thoroughly suggest watching watching five and six. And I'll probably watch seven at some they say point. It's still as in well. that style, certainly. That, yeah, that it, it stays you know? just as crazy. But the uh, but I mean, like like the like the outrageous you know ness of it just goes through the fucking roof, you know, because because it has the same sort of 
Um, I described going from one to two is sort of like going from playing like Forza Motorsports to playing Burnout, <laughs> you know, where it goes from like a very serious, like to the point they're talking so much about cars and, and so much like the detail of the cars that it's almost like it's a different language, you know, and like I just this is something I don't understand. And then it, and then it switches um, to, to being more about just the ridiculous driving uh, and, and that's almost kind of, that's kind of fun, you know, and it's very cartoony and it's really ridiculous. Uh, but then, then it becomes basically just a straight up out of control action film by the time you get to five and six. In so terms I thought trajectory of a series, it's so strange, right? I mean, it really is because nothing else nor- like that. Yeah. Normally, you know, you start off at the high point and just go down, you know, but this one starts. Like, I mean, people, I know people who love one through four, sure. but I think they're awful. They're terrible talking movies, uh, except for like the first like 10 minutes of, of four, uh, which is fantastic. It's one of the best action set pieces I've ever seen. But after the title sequence happens in four, it just becomes a boring, meandering, just pile of crap. Uh, but then five introduces the rock and, uh, and, and just gets really stupid, crazy and, and six just follows along. So I actually am really interested to see what they do with seven. Um, but I don't suggest, I don't suggest any of one through four, um, but definitely watch five and six. It really does fly in the face of, of all expectations. Even the fact that the series is just getting more and more financially successful as it goes along. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so so weird. They'll just keep. I mean, honestly, Vin Diesel should be counting his lucky stars at that series. He really should yeah. to be so successful. Uh, but yeah, you know, someday I actually have the series here, uh, and I should watch it at some point. But because I'm a fucking idiot, and you know this, Mo, and it's probably because we're both the same in this way. We do the same I, fucking thing. I know. We, I, I couldn't skip the first four. I'd have to watch them and hate. No, them. you should watch. You should watch them. You absolutely should watch them. But I mean, I hate myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you think of it like uh, torture, like a torture, you know. But but this is this is this Needles is a great. This is absolutely one of the one of the greatest kinds of torture because it's one of the tortures that if you if you suffer for a little bit, the payoff is worth it. <laughs> it's like bamboo shoots under the nails that eventually turns into a blowjob. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> You know, it's it's the exact opposite of when I watched all of the Police Academy movies back to back. You know, because the payoff for those is is right smack dab at the beginning, the first like two or three. It's Mission then, to Moscow, you mean? Yeah, Mission to Moscow is fucking awful. <laughs> um, you know, then you, you feel so bad for Michael Winslow by the by the by the time the series ends because it's just like he's the only one left. He's but just going, uh, wah, wah. yeah, he really—he's just making <laughs> stupid noises. But um, but yeah, no, I I I, I was I was thoroughly surprised by how happy I was by the uh, by the time uh, I I had finished six. Well, that's good to know. I'll check out what did you say? The Police Academy movies? Um, <laughs> as soon as I possibly can. No, I I I'll I'm never. I tell, I tell you what. Watch watch the first four Police Academy movies. And then switch to Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> and try to link them all together. When are they going to bring back Tackleberry? Um, <laughs> but uh, with that, I think it's time for us to say adieu. Did you, did you watch anything new or no? Oh, I'm not going to talk about what I watched new. Actually, I did, but it won't be revealed till our next episode. <laughs> okay. 
Fair enough. <laughs> there's there's something I'm working on, uh, which you actually know about Mo, but I I cut oh out right of our right last right episode, okay okay um, that hopefully will will be will exist by the time that that people like uh, listen to our next episode after this. And that's all the time we have this week. Listen up. You look all around at what's going down. You feel the need to turn things around. Don't take chances. Don't make any deals. Your love's on the line. For the true Take the walk, you know.